Um, well, I am sure that it has not escaped you that in addition to Ash Wednesday, today is also Valentine's Day. Um, it's a day full of expectations and hopes of romantic gestures and good chocolate. Some will end today feeling more loved, and some will end the day feeling lonely with unmet expectations and a box of candy that's got a shelf life longer than the history of Valentine's Day itself. You know the ones I mean, those ones that are like little cardboard hearts that say, be mine, or love always on them. But whether full of love or full of loneliness, the cultural expectation for today is that it is a day of feasting. And yet, here we are. Here you are, during peak dinner hour, prime date time, prime feasting time. Here we are in a space that has claimed the color black for the day, rather than red or pink. Here we are in a space that claims today as a day of fasting rather than feasting. And here we are in a space that asks us to consider the ways that we have failed to love rather than to claim that we love always. Why? In these few minutes before we receive ashes and pray and confess our sin, I want us to reflect on the questions of why are we here and what do we do next? One of the classic passages for Ash Wednesday is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We heard it read aloud. Paul and Timothy are writing to the church in Corinth. And in chapter 5, verse 20, they write that as ambassadors for Christ, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. It is a verse that answers both questions. Why are we here? And what do we do next? I implore you on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to God. So why are we here? We are here because our relationship with God isn't in great shape. And what do we do now? Be reconciled to God. This verse is sometimes used to speak to people who haven't yet professed faith in Christ. And if you're here and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, then let me take the opportunity and say to you what Paul and Timothy say. Be reconciled to God. The bad news is that we are separated from God because of our sin, because sin is rebelling against God. We have all rebelled against God, and we are all in need of reconciliation. And the only way to be reconciled with God the Father is through his Son, Jesus Christ. That said, we need to remember that this exhortation, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God, was written to Christians in a church in Corinth. This is a message for all of us. Why are we here? We are here because our relationship with God isn't in great shape. Ash Wednesday starts us off on a trajectory called Lent. It leads us to Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter, and then continues all the way to the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost is that great day when we celebrate our commissioning as Christians, when we remember the gift of the Holy Spirit so that the gospel might go forth in every language, to every tribe, and to every people. The Holy Spirit enables us to take the gospel to the world. And that is the goal, to share Jesus with the world. That is the end point. That is where we will be in three months when Pentecost comes, 94 days. But the preparation for it starts today. Now, if your yard is anything like my yard, you have noticed that with a few warmer days and more rain, that weeds have started to grow. I went into the closet where we keep garden tools last weekend and took out my big garden shears. 
all excited to go to town on the bushes that have overgrown and to pull up weeds that have started to take over the space where my favorite plants grow. But what I found in the closet were hedge trimmers that had a dull blade. They were rusty and they creaked when I opened them. And I found garden gloves that our pet rabbit had chewed a hole through. My tools were in need of repair before I could even go about the work of planting and growing new life. It's not a perfect analogy, but I'd like to suggest that many of us are in the same spiritual state as these tools. We should be ready to go, but we're not. We should be full of love for God and for neighbor, but we are not. We have forgotten Jesus, our first love. Like in any long-term relationship, there are two ways for that relationship to weaken and ultimately break. There can be one great dramatic harm, adultery, abandonment, violence. And then there are smaller, daily harms. Leaving your dirty dishes in the sink again. Always making other plans during what is supposed to be family time. Frequent criticism and rare words of gratitude. Our relationship with the Lord is no different in a few moments, we're going to pray through a list of sins and end with, Lord, have mercy upon us. Some of them will feel stingingly familiar. And as we read them, feel the weight of each sin as it's named, like rocks that are added to a bag that quickly becomes much too heavy to carry. All of them are some form of adultery or abandonment, violence, lack of gratitude, and neglecting family time with God the Father and Jesus his Son. Now, this is not meant to be just a list of all the bad things I have done. It is about a broken relationship with my first love, a broken relationship with the Lord Jesus. Like my yard, my heart is overgrown with weeds and dead branches. I have forgotten my first love. We have forgotten our first love. And the tools of prayer and fasting, of scripture, simplicity, Sabbath, and generosity, the tools we are given to turn our hearts back to the Lord are dull and rusty, like my hedge trimmers. Lent is a time to repair and resharpen the tools. We are here because our relationship with God isn't in good shape. But what now? What do we do now? The first step to solving most problems is admitting that there's a problem. And that is what today is about. Paul calls himself in verse 20 an ambassador for Christ, and that is what we were meant to be, ambassadors for Christ to the world. Now, an ambassador is a high-ranking official sent from one country to another to be in-person representation. I am meant to be an ambassador for God's kingdom. But today, God finds me claiming citizenship and loyalty to another king. It's a charge of high treason. I am meant to be God's ambassador, but he has caught me being faithful to another king like a spouse catches their partner with another lover. Do you hear the irony that on this day, that to the world is a celebration of love, we confess to God, I have loved other gods. I have been unfaithful. I am the adulterer. No Valentine's Day date of yours is going to end well if you started off like that. But that is what we say on Ash Wednesday to the Lord, the one who was meant to be our first love, and what is so amazing about the Lord is that he wants us back. After cheating on him, he wants us back. It is as if we were caught in the act, and before I'm able to say a word, my spouse says, I want you back. It's not what you think, I want you back. 
but let me explain. I want you back. This is what the Lord Jesus is saying to us. I want you back. Return to me. The world would have us believe that fidelity is boring and living your life on your own, doing whatever you want, is where excitement and joy is found. But in truth, fidelity is where the life is. Fidelity to Jesus is where the eternal and abundant life is. Life that can rise up out of a heap of ashes. And that is what he is inviting us to take a hold of tonight. The good news of Ash Wednesday is that Jesus is saying to each and every one of us, I want you back. Return to me. So what do you do if you are caught in the midst of infidelity, but your spouse wants you back? It's a sober situation. But being gloomy won't restore your relationship. There's work to be done. You work on your relationship. Again, be reconciled to God. Take action. Be reconciled to God. The chief end to this day and to this season is not some sort of mood or emotion. There is an emotion to our grief about sin, but that's not the telos. It's not the end point of Ash Wednesday or Lent. The goal of this day and of this entire season of Lent isn't that we are discouraged or depressed any further about our sinfulness. Rather, it is to drive us back to the source of joy so that we will be ready to share it with the world. That is what this is all about. In other words, our object here is not an emotion. Our object is revival, a transformation, a returning to our first love. Long before there were revivalist meetings and megachurch concerts, there were Christians meeting on this day every year, having ashes placed on their forehead as a means of discipleship, as a means of transformation, so that they might return to their first love. This is the early church's way of doing revival. It's called Lent. Today is a day for repentance, but it is not an end in itself. It is a means to an end. And that is a wonderful, life-giving relationship restored with the Lord Jesus. So what do we do now? Be reconciled to God. That is the point of all of our readings, if you were following along today. Joel 2.12 says, Yet even now declares to me, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Verses 15 and 16 exclaim, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Do you hear the urgency, the inclusivity? Everyone, drop what you are doing and run, Joel pleads. Everyone come to the temple, kneel, pray a prayer of, pray a prayer of repentance, and be reconciled. Why? Because the Lord wants to restore and renew a royal marriage between him and his people. Return to your first love. Last week at dinner, we were talking about Lent, and my daughter Bethany asked, do you think that because Ash Wednesday is on Valentine's Day that Pastor John will draw a heart with the ashes instead of a cross? Then my know-it-all son Theo replied, well, the cross is kind of like a heart. To which the four-year-old said, when I draw hearts, they do not look like that. <laughs> Indeed. The love of the cross is not what my heart looks like either. In a few moments, you're going to be invited forward to receive ashes as a sign of reconciliation with God. And there is both blessing and curse in this sign. Remember that you are but dust. 
These ashes were once palm fronds from Palm Sunday last year when we shouted and acclaimed Jesus as our king, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king of kings, and we celebrated. That is long forgotten history now. We have gone on to celebrate other kings in our lives. And all that is left of these palm fronds is a black bowl of ashes. And so receive the sign as a reminder that you are but dust, and to dust you will return. Receive it as a reminder that our hearts are prone to wander, that they have grown dull and rusty and are full of weeds. You are but dust, and to dust you shall return. But these ashes also make the sign of the cross, and that is the sign of reconciliation. What was once a sign of torture, a sign of great shame, has become the sign of your salvation, the sign of our hope. Take this sign on your foreheads as a pledge of returning to your first love, of turning to him and being reconciled to him, knowing that the grace of the Lord is sufficient to cover all of our sin. This Lent, let the Lord gently but firmly take those stones of sin out of the heavy backpack that we stagger around life with. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Far better than candy arts, with words that say, be mine, imprinted on them, today we receive the words of Jesus etched into our hearts. Be mine. Return to me. Lent is not about what you are giving up. It is about who you are giving into. Give in to King Jesus. Return to me, he calls. Today the world feasts on cheap chocolate, but fasts from Jesus. So what do we do now? Why are we here? Feast on Jesus this Lent. Return to your first love and be reconciled. Amen.